Hey, listen, man, if you think that's good, you do not want to miss Easter. I've already been listening to the songs. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. And these men and women, they do it all out of the goodness of their heart. They practice. They get all their stuff ready, the production. Can you give them a little love for all they do to make it happen? It's going to be awesome. And while we're thinking, everybody, I have to thank all of the volunteers. A little praise for my peeps, if you will, because last week... We had all these volunteers, so give all of them a little love, man. We got hundreds and hundreds getting ready for Easter, and we got to have everybody because there will be thousands and thousands of people coming next week. And when you talk about move, that's the series we're in right now, you cannot forget about moving to the BGA next Sunday. That's where Easter will happen, the Brookshire Grocery Arena. We've been going there now for 12 years. Can I get a little love on 12 years, son? This is actually going to be like our 13th year, I think, so they're kind of a little fun. This is just a joke, but there's been some rumors out there. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Everybody was joking after the first hour. They're like, oh, that's going to start rumors. No, man, I'm just trying to tell you. We've been going there so long, it really is kind of fun because every Easter, it is our home, and we are thankful to be back in Bossier again this year. There's going to be a lot going on, all right? You got eggs out front, you got the Easter bunny, ice cream, music, and yeah, I'll be giving a message too, but you just do not want to miss it. And if you're wondering what Easter looks like around at the Simple Church, if you're a guest, if you're trying to think, man, should I come? Should I be a part of it? Here is just a little fun to show you what looks like when we get down there for Easter. Don't miss it. Watch. y'all put your hands together how fun is that we cannot do it without you so remember invite somebody it's going to be a lot of fun it really is a great great time and you can't do it without all the volunteers so i just say thank you again uh, when you make a big move i can remember the first time that we were moving into the you know arena it was very very scary 
And if I go back into that moment, there were so many unknowns. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of scroll some of the pictures. Uh, it was called Century Tale back then. Y'all remember that? It was like old school. And we were setting up the stage. We were trying to figure out, you know, is it going to work? Is anybody going to come? And the mud bugs were in the arena back then. Do y'all remember that? And they had gone to the playoffs in 2011, and our team had to come in and clean the arena like at midnight. And they actually stayed up all night long to get ready for the crowd of people that was going to come in there. And I found all these pictures from 2011 just to kind of reminisce. We threw socks that year to give to the local prisons. It was just a ton of fun. But this is just a little reminder of what goes into making it happen. There are people behind the scenes, Posey's there. Look, there's Laney and them taking care of it. They're all still here just loving and taking care of people uh, from the outside all the way in. And this is why I tell you, you cannot do it without the volunteers. And I know for some of you, it's a little scary because you're like, man, how am I going to make it there? Is it going to work? I promise you, we've done it enough now to know what we can do and what we can't do. And I want to just do one more time, thank all of the people who make it happen, including Bozier City and the arena for welcoming us back over there. Come on, give them a little look. Because when you're trying to do something you've never done before, it is scary. Unknown things are scary. And I want you to know as we're working through that little unknown part of what's happening, there are also some great things that happen when you risk it, when you go for it. And in the process of trying to manage that, that fear sometimes can paralyze you or it can cause you to run away from what's going on. I kind of put it as run or freeze. If you see something scary, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to do that or if I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And because we're in the move series, my challenge is I'm trying to get you to move a little bit, to risk a little bit. And when I start talking about scary stuff and unknown things, I got to go back to my kids. I got three, 21, 20, and 16, all right, 17. They're all these young babies growing into these young people. And I tried to stay away from scary stuff because I hated scary movies. I didn't like anything like that. But these kids are not right. Y'all know that, okay? They love scary stuff. And I'm like, don't bring that in my house. I can't watch it. They're like, Dad, come watch this. I don't watch anything scary, including when they think it's foolishness, like this guy right here. I don't even care. Anybody know Chucky? I'm praying for you. If you know Chucky, you got problems, all right? Because this thing right here, uh-uh, spooky. And it's unknown what's going to happen if I were to run into Chucky. I don't know if I'm going to run or if I'm going to freeze. But I found a video of some messed up people, all right? And these messed up people decided to dress up like Chucky and go see what would happen when they went into Walmart. You better be ready because I can just tell you, they ain't right. But here's the proof, all right? Watch. It's time to scare some people. Ah! All right, that should do. Come check it out. I don't blame her. If that little dude came to me, I'd be like, I'm going to kick you in the face too. Here is why. 
This is so funny to me is because it fit perfectly with what I'm talking about. When you are facing the unknown, it's very scary. And sometimes you want to run. You saw that first guy. That'd be me. Other people might just freeze. You know what I'm saying? Now, they may want to fight, but they're stuck right there. And this is a perfect segue into what we're going today. Everyone in this room, you have fear. Everyone has different types of fear. You have fear of commitment. Don't look. If you're waiting for him to ask, don't look. Look ahead, all right? Some of you have fear of commitment. Some of you have had fear of the past. You're like, man, I don't like my past, and I don't want that coming back, and you're like fearful. But maybe the biggest fear that we all can relate to is the fear of failure. I know this is a big one for me. I think back to when we launched the Simple Church. I think when we moved to the Brookshire Arena the first time, you know, Century Tale back then. I mean, I was like, you're just afraid it's not going to work. You're afraid nobody's going to come. You're afraid you're just not going to work. You may have launched a business. You may have been going to school. You know, you may be in a relationship. You're all of these different circumstances have this mindset of going, man, I hope I succeed because I don't want to fail. Well, today, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to be looking at different circumstances that all of us in here can learn from, but then also with the ultimate goal of saying, how can I move past my failure? Now, some of you are going, but Justin, I've been divorced for a long time. I failed in bankruptcy. My business didn't work out. Some of you are like, man, I got fired from my job. And it's true. There are people in this room. You've been in jail. I know, all right? And you're going, man, are you serious? You're going to bring up my past like that? Yes. Because as we go through today's message, whatever failure is hanging over your head, I want to give you some freedom today. And I want to help you walk through and move past these failures. Because more than likely, you have labeled yourself or you allowed someone else to label you. And you know, what do you mean? Well, sometimes you let loved ones, friends, strangers say, well, man, I heard they tried to do business. They're just a failure. They didn't make it. Or I heard that guy went to jail, man. He's just a convict. You can put all the, they've tried relationships. They can never get a relationship right. They're just bad at marriage. They're never going to be able to do this. And all of these labels you put on yourself. And I will prove to you that we struggle in this culture with that by going all the way back thousands of years ago and bringing up an individual. And I will prove to you that when I put this name on the screen, you that went to church, you will be able to fill in the blank very easily. For example, here's a label that you all can relate to. If you went to church, who is this referring to? Doubting Thomas. Now think about this. How would you like that to be your name? Because you didn't believe, because you really had doubts, for thousands of years they referred to him as Doubting Thomas. Now if you didn't grow up in church, let me fill you in. John 20, we'll go back a little bit in time. Thomas was one of the 12. He's one of the disciples that was with Jesus. But he was not with the followers when Jesus came. So you, well, what are you talking about? After he rose from the dead, Jesus came and he talked to a bunch of the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. So they told him, we saw the Lord. They go to him, like, man, we saw the Lord. We got Easter right around the corner. It's about the resurrection. They're like, man, we saw him. This is awesome. But Thomas says, man, that's hard to believe. Because Thomas looked up and he saw his leader crucified, beaten, bloody. They saw him go into a tomb. They saw the stone roll in place. And he's like, man. Y'all are telling me you saw him, you're telling me you talked to him, but that is really hard to believe. Then he goes next level, which we all can relate to. He said, I'll have to see the nail holes in his hands. I'll have to put my finger where the nails were, and I'll have to put my hand on his side because he saw the spear go in. He's like, I'll have to see it for myself, and only then will I believe it. 
Now, don't judge him because I don't. I'm kind of in the same category. Think about it. That would be so far-fetched, even though you knew he had said it, but you remember what you saw. You saw him beaten. You saw the blood. You saw how gruesome. You saw the whole thing. So you're like, I just don't know. And for thousands of years now, we've all labeled him. That's Dowden Thomas. Dowden Thomas. Well, check out how the story continues. A week later, the followers were in the house again. This kind of kind of makes it seem like they're just kind of chilling, but actually they were fearful because the Romans had killed their leader. They'd kind of pulled away into this house and they're kind of retreating. And Thomas was with them this time and the doors were locked. Now this is important because they were trying to keep away from the bad guys. The Romans could get them anytime. And Jesus came and stood among them. Now I don't know how that happened, but I'm just telling you that's what they said happened, that they were sitting there, the doors were locked, they're having a meeting, probably talking about the future, and Jesus shows up. When he shows up, you're talking about scary? Jesus literally shows up, walks through the walls, and is in the room. And this is what Jesus says, and I'd hope he would say it. Peace be with you, because I'd be freaked out. Be like, man, how did you get in there? The door's locked. You do, you, what, what are you doing? That dude came through the walls. Some of you may be like, man, I, don't, I would be frozen in fear, or you would run. But here's the deal. What happens next is very important for all of us. And then Jesus said to Thomas, because he knew he had labeled himself. He said, hey, put your hand here. Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Man, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I have. You look at a situation, you're like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we're going to have the money. I don't know if we're going to be able to accomplish it. I don't know if that person's going to be able to recover. I don't know if they'll ever believe. He says, no, stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said to Jesus, because now he's seen him. He has touched the hands. He has touched his side. He said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you believe. This is what's important for us. Jesus, in Thomas's doubt, was speaking to us in this room thousands of years later. He said, you know what, Thomas? You've seen and you believe me, because it's, I'm here. You, you know it's real. But great blessings, that's you. You and I, great blessings belong to the people who believe without seeing me. So you're wondering, like, if you really got a chance today, you're wondering if you're really going to be able to make it. Jesus himself said, if you can trust me, if you can believe in me without ever laying eyes on me, there are great blessings coming to you. And how do we get these great blessings? Through a story of a guy labeled as Doubting Thomas. But you know what Jesus called him from that point on? Believe in Thomas. He called him Blessed Thomas. He's like, you know what, Thomas? Everybody else may call you Doubting Thomas, but to me, you're the man. Why? Because now you're going to teach thousands and thousands and thousands, millions of people over thousands of years are going to come to know me as a result of your what seemed like a failure. I'm going to use it for something so powerful, so change, earth-shattering, life-altering, changing everything because of even what you thought was impossible. I'm telling you, there's going to be something good that's going to come out of it. And Thomas, and this is something that I did a little research on Thomas. I was like, well, what happened to him after this? Thomas is believed to have gone the farthest to tell people about Jesus. He actually went to India as a disciple, once he had had all of this powerful moment in his life, 
He went to India to tell all people about what he had seen and how it changed his life and that that same Jesus that he saw crucified, he saw him risen. And there was a reason for you to have hope and to believe. People labeled him, but God used him. So somebody may have labeled you. They may have said, man, you're divorced. You'll never come up to anything. You're a failure. You failed at money. You failed at business. You failed at relationships. You failed. And there's no way anybody can do anything with you. You're useless. But God says, no, I got a plan for you. I have something I want to do with you. All of you. And here's the point. I'm going to put it on the screen. You ready for this? You have not missed your chance to be used by God. You're in this room. Let's say you've been to jail. It's probably going to blow some of your minds, but there's people in this church that serve every week that we're in jail. That's a part of their past. But they're not labeled a failure. They're labeled victorious. They're labeled an opportunity to start again. They're labeled as a greeter. They're labeled as a volunteer. Because although, yes, they had made mistakes in their past, God still is using them. You may think in your mind, well, I'm a doubter, I'm a divorced person, I'm a failure, I'm unworthy. But God turns that around. He says, no, man, you are worthy. You're forgiven, you're qualified, you're victorious. Now, if you go, but Justin, I don't feel that way. I can relate. I know you may feel like a loser. When I follow this team, there's many times, (laughs) will I ever become a winner? All right, I get it. But let me just tell you this. Romans promises us. That we are completely victorious. Not on the football field maybe. But right through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he also showed his love for us. That while you feel like a failure. And you feel like you're not doing everything right. And you can't live up. He's like no you're victorious. And I know. When I, even when I say that. Some of you are like man it just feels weird. Like, oh, I'm victorious. I'm... No it's because of Christ. Through Christ. Who showed his love. Like when you beat yourself up and you just can't possibly think there's a good future, he says, I love you. I love you. 1 Corinthians 15 is another great example. But we thank God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever you're going through, you got addictions, you got failures, you got bankruptcy, you got divorces. How will I ever accomplish anything? How will I ever get out of this? Well, because he's telling us, I understand that struggle. You doubt. I knew a guy named Thomas that doubted. But when he saw me overcome the grave, it reminded him of the power that is available to us. That's why you heard the song. That's dead bones rattling, man. There is power running through your veins. I love that line in that song. He said, man, I got resurrection power running through my veins. But we so many times are like, ah, I don't know, man. I just hope I can make it through the day. And Jesus is going, no, man, you have an opportunity to get A little picture of who I am and what I can do if you'll just trust me. The victory is possible. And you know what's crazy to me? And this is kind of where we all struggle is that he doesn't give up on us. Like, you know, when you doubt and you mess up, you're like, man, we throw in the towel. We give up on ourselves. But no, he's here to remind us. He's here to show us. And I can think of another example of that. You go, well, give me another example. I, I got even a better example of someone who was labeled a failure but turned around and changed the world, literally. Luke 22. Remember this guy? As we're approaching Easter, 
This is a powerful story for everybody in here, including me, including those watching online. Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. This is a guy, remember we talked a little bit about him last week, cutting off the ear of the soldier that comes to try to take Jesus to the cross. He's like, no, man, we're, I'm fighting for you. I'm with you. Here he is again. Man, I'm going to go to prison. I'll die with you. But then Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, man, Peter, I got to tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even, ever even knew who I was. Now, if you don't know the story of Peter, this is the guy who was a cusser. This is the guy who was hot-headed. This is the fisherman that was rough and tough. He's coming from a bad background. He's a man's man. This is it. He's like, Jesus, I got your back. Man, we ride or die, bro. It don't matter what's going on. I'm with you. Jesus looked at me. He goes, Peter, I love your heart, man, but you ain't even going to make it through the night, cuz. You're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. And in the midst of all of the struggle, in the midst of Jesus going to the cross, the Roman soldiers grabbing, everybody's scattering. Look at this moment. Luke says it like this. At the moment that he had that final denial, Jesus looked at him. They're like, hey, man, aren't you the guy running with Jesus? I don't even know who he is. Man, get off me. What are you talking about? Somehow in the midst of that moment, when the crowds gather around and Peter's trying to see Jesus carrying the cross, Jesus turns and looks at him. And all I can think about then is like, me, I'd be mad. I'd, be, I'd look at him like this. Like, man, what are you doing? But not Jesus. Because he loves us. He looks at him. And then Peter remembered what he said. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, man, you're going to deny me three times. And you ready for this? You want to talk about failure? Feeling like you're just an absolute loser when Jesus looks at you. And he goes, Peter, I told you. He walked out of the courtyard crying bitterly. You can look up a lot of different translations. Let me tell you, this dude was tore up from the floor up. He was messed up because he knew I sold him out. And guilt overran his life. Shame overran his life. He didn't even get a chance. You know, have you ever betrayed somebody? Have you ever messed up? And you don't get a chance to say you're sorry? Dude, it weighs on you. You feel like a failure. The guilt is overwhelming. And you never got to make it right. Well, here it is. Jesus looks at him full of love. And it comes back to him, man. Jesus said this was going to happen. What a failure. What a loser. How in the world could I do this? You got to remember, this is the same guy that saw him do all these miracles, that walked with him, that left his job for him. And now here he is running scared broken thinking this over goes back to fishing I have failed God can't use me I have betrayed him it is over and I thought Judas was bad because remember they're all in there he's like man we sold him out to you. like I ain't never gonna be like that I am him now it's me I don't deserve to follow him I don't deserve to do anything I'm done 
But this part right here ought to encourage us all. You ready? After the resurrection, the ladies run to the grave. That's what we'll be talking about a little bit next week. But let me just, I'm going to give you a preview here. Just remember this. The lady, they run to the grave. And the angel says, don't be so surprised. Aren't you looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified? He isn't here. He's come back to life. Can I get an amen somebody, right? He's like, hey, man, he ain't here. He's come back to life. And then he said, hey, in case you don't believe me, look. That's where the body was lying. Now go and give the message to the disciples and include my boy Peter. It gives me chills because here's what I love about this. Jesus told that angel, he's like, look, man, there's one guy that really messed up. It's my boy Peter. Because see, Peter thought that he was going to ride or die with me. And he sold me out. And he told that angel, he said, angel, he's really struggling. He went back to fishing. He feels like he's a failure. He feels like it'll never happen for him. Even though I told him he was going to be the rock, and even though I told him that the church, he don't believe any of that. He has run. He has gone back. It is over. He has labeled himself a failure. He's moving in the wrong direction. So when that angel got there, he said, you make sure. Jesus told that angel, you tell them, hey, you go tell the boys and Peter that I'm going to meet you in Galilee. Hey, I have overcome the grave. Now meet me in Galilee. And then when he says this, you will see him there, the angel said, just as he told you before he died. Now, why is he saying that? Because he's going, hey, it ain't like I didn't tell you all this. Meet me in Galilee because we're going to rally again. I got some talking to do. I got some news for you. I got a job for you to do. But Peter, back at his job, full of guilt, full of shame, never had his chance to say he's sorry, feeling like he's a failure, Jesus comes and says to him, he remembers as Peter's out there, I'm sure it's probably going through his mind when he goes back in time and he sees what he said in Matthew and he says, hey, Peter, you're my rock and I'm going to build my church on you. And he's going, I don't even know how, but the gates of hell will not prevail against him. Peter's going, man, I don't know if that's true. I sold you out. How can I be the rock when I feel like I have just been so weak? And what blew my mind, when you go and study what happened in Peter's life, is after the resurrection, and after, yes, I'll show you in a minute, Jesus meets with them on the beach. Peter, 50 days roughly, after denying he even knew Jesus, he was the man that was chosen to speak to the first church service. From failure to, hey, man, who's going to talk to all these people gathered up to tell them about Jesus? All the disciples are looking like, hey, Peter, you were a failure. You're a pretty good sinner. You want to take this one? And he does. And how do you know that, Justin? Look, Peter said to this crowd, change your hearts and, and your lives and be baptized. Why is he saying change? Because he knew. I know what it's like to change. Change in the name of Jesus and God will forgive your sins. Why does he say this? Because he knew forgiveness. Amen. He's like, hey man, I have been there and I'm telling you this Jesus, he will forgive you. And this promise is for you, he says, 
It is for your children. It's for the people who are far away. Thomas, we're going to go tell everybody all the way to India. It's for those far away. It is for every person. And in the midst of the moment, 3,000 people were added to the group of believers that day. The birth of the church. And guess what? The rock, Peter, was used by God to start the very thing that he said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against. And if Peter can start the church, guess what? God can use you. (laughs) Peter had labeled himself a failure. But God reminded him, you are my rock. And in case y'all don't know, do you smell what he's cooking? God is cooking something in your life. And don't let what you've been through tank the rest of your life where you sit there and think, oh man, I can't ever do anything. I'll never be used by God. No, let me tell you something. Quit beating yourself up. It is your time to move. I'm going to put it on the screen. Your failure does not cancel God's plan. Some of you think, well, man, but I was going to be a preacher one day. I remember when I was a kid, my mama said this. Oh, man, but I've messed all that up. So you go, man, I was going to do something for God, but, man, I went through a bad marriage, and I got through divorce. God can never use me in my divorce. Man, I've been to jail, bro. God can't use somebody who's been to jail. I'm going to prove you wrong. Not only will God prove you wrong, I'm going to prove you wrong in the service. By the end, you're going to watch a video and go, okay, maybe I'm wrong. You keep labeling yourself failure. Can't be used by God. I got too many messed up situations. Debt. I've messed up relationships. God cannot use me. And I'm telling you right now, when you look in the New Testament, you will look at a bunch of people who have been messed up. But God used them to change the world. We're talking about murderers. We're talking about thieves. We're talking about people who had been in jail. You can look in the entire scripture and you'll see prostitutes. Yep, I said it. You're going, there's no way God. Yes, he can. And you think he can't use you. I want to take you back to John 21. Why am I taking you back there? Because I want to go back to that moment that Peter and the disciples actually saw Jesus after the resurrection before he went and launched the church. And why would I take you back there? Because there's a lesson I want you to get before you leave. You remember how Jesus said, hey, the angel had told him, hey, y'all meet at Galilee. Well, here it is, John 21. Later, Jesus appeared to again to his followers by the lake of Galilee. You go, well, what did he appear to do? What was going on, dude? You didn't think Jesus was a redneck? I'm going to prove it to you. He had a fish fry, son. This is what he had. <laughs> Jesus pulls the boys together. Peter is out fishing because remember, he's left. He's done. They're all sitting there eating their fish, man. They're hanging out on the beach. And by the way, Peter's out there doubting everything again. I'm never being used. And he couldn't even really catch fish that day. And Jesus, being a jokester, this is what's so awesome about Jesus. It's like he's almost like, hey, Peter, I got you, cuz. Because if you go back and look at that, that is when a miraculous catch of fish happens because Peter don't know what's going on. He's like, man, I don't know how to do anything anymore. It's like, I can't even do this job anymore. And then the guy on the beach is like, hey, man, throw your nets over here. Let's see what happens. And they bring in all this other fish. And then all of a sudden, Peter's like, that's my boy. There ain't but one guy that could do this. And he humbly comes back to the beach, and they get around this fire, and they begin to talk, and they begin to eat. And then look at what happens. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, 
Look, this is what's recorded. You don't have a whole lot of conversations, but you get this one. What did he say to him? He said, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these other men love me? Peter answers, yeah, Lord, you know I do. Then Jesus said to him, take care of my, my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Over and over again. How many times did Jesus ask, do you love me, Peter? For the record, three. Why did he ask him three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because Peter had failed him three times. And Peter was hung up on his failure. And Jesus was redirecting him. Hey, Peter, even though you failed, you love me, don't you? Then let's, this is our chance to move, son. Hey, Peter, I, I, you, you messed up, right? I'm like, but don't focus on that. You love me, don't you? Well, we got more work to do, Peter. Hey, Peter, you messed up, right? Yeah, but don't hang out. You love me, don't you? I got a job for you. Remember, you're the rock. You're the future of the church. And you want to know why he went out and preached that awesome message? Because the verses end like this, John 21, 19. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Hey, son, it's time to move. It's time for you to move. Now, let me tell you what this means for you and me. When you're still stuck in your past, when you're still thinking about your failures, and you are frozen, and some of you, because you disappointed God or you messed up with God, you ran away from God. Remember frozen in fear? Or we run from, and then we're like, it's the fear of the unknown. What this is going like? Jesus is coming in going, let me tell you something. Do not be frozen in your fear, and do not run away from me. I am telling you, today is an opportunity for you to follow me. It is your opportunity to move. It is your time to move because I'm not finished with you. If I didn't give up on Peter, if I didn't give up on Thomas, I'm not going to give up on you. I have a plan for you. Though you label yourself as a failure, as you label yourself as like, I'll never accomplish anything, God can't use me. God's going, man, you don't even know what I want to do with you. You don't even fully understand how much you have to offer. When we first started Simple Church, I pulled together a group. We did a life group. We still have them today. But my first life group was a group full of addicts. It ended up being that most of my friends are addicts. And they struggle with addiction. And so they were always battling and struggling. We were hearing all these stories. And many of them were like, man, God ain't going to use me. And I don't know how I'm going to do anything. And you're kind of getting this pity party thing. And oh, you just don't understand. And I was like, guys, let's just quit all the whining and the moaning. You'd be, be glad I didn't cuss right there. And then I just want you to know as they were gathering around, I'm like, listen, God wants to use you. God has a good plan for you. God can use you. Don't give up on yourself. A couple of my friends, one of them but a particular, his name is Putty, really struggled. And just last week he was like, man, I can't thank you enough because those meetings were the beginning of me understanding that God really wanted to do something. That there was an opportunity, that there was a chance. And I'm telling you, he's one of my best friends now. We didn't even know each other. We've traveled around the world. We've been to Honduras. We've drilled water wells. We put shoes on the feet of kids. We have done a lot of amazing things together. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't be the same without him in my life. Terry, another one of my friends, struggled with addiction his whole life now. Really turned his life around. Never, ever missed his church. Always there to serve. Always trying to help. And we all sit around and think about like, man, what if we had stayed with the label of I'm just an addict, I could never really be anything and God's not going to use me, then where would I be? People on this stage, people who greet you, all have our past, all have struggles. But what I want you to know is this, God's not confused by that. 
God's not thrown off like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with this one. He's like, man, I promise you, what the enemy has meant for harm, as he said in Joseph, to Joseph in the old school, Old Testament, I'm telling you, I got a good plan for you. What he reminded Paul, who had murdered Christians, he was like, you're going to be the guy who's going to write a lot of the New Testament, trust me on this one, that thousands of years from now, people are going to be reading your writings to go, hey, I understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but there is a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ if we'll just receive it. All of these writings, all of these truths are coming from broken people, full of sin, looking to a Savior to give them a hope and a fresh start and a new beginning, just like all of us in this room. And when you have given up and you think there's no way, I'm going to prove to you that there is hope for you today. The video I'm about to show you is from uh, Steve Hartman, again, associate pastor. Steve has pulled together a reminder. And why I love this video so much is because when you read Scripture, it seems like sometimes it's distant, although I'm telling you it's for you. You need a real-life, right-now illustration to go, okay, I can see there is hope, and there is a chance for a better tomorrow. And I can't think of a better video than this one to remind everyone in this room that he's not done with you. He really does have a plan. Watch. In this economy, everyone is lucky to have work. Order up. But few are luckier than the waitress here at Gwendolyn's Cafe in Fort Myers, Florida. Enjoy. Before coming here, Michelle Werline had a hard time securing a job, mainly because health. When it came to mistakes, acid. There was almost nothing on the menu she hadn't tried. Little heroin. As a result of her addictions, coke. The state took away all three of her kids. She's been sober five years now, but says most employers don't want that baggage anyhow. What made you think anybody would ever give you another chance? I didn't. And it wasn't just Michelle who got a chance. Cocaine, heroin, alcohol. The owner gave Wendy, the cook, a chance too. And John, the delivery man. I was a raving crack cocaine addict, a street variety addict, a five-time convicted felon. In fact, just about everyone who works at Gwendolyn's is a recovering addict or alcoholic, which makes you wonder. What are you thinking, Gwendolyn? This whole staff, for the most part, has admitted to stealing. They have. They've admitted to being out of control. Yes. But you ignore all that. Why? Because I like to see them get better. <laughs> Obviously, mm -hmm. that was just part of the answer. What are you thinking? I've been very lucky, and I want people to have what I have. Gwendolyn Howard is a recovering alcoholic herself. Since opening her restaurant a couple years ago, she has hired about 20 people with similar checkered pasts. Does this work out all the time? No. Okay, half the time? Yeah, half the time. Half of your hires are good hires. How about half of my hires are incredible hires? Gwen says by the time they walk in here, those who do work out are so grateful for the opportunity, they more than make up for the disappointments. Hot, hot, hot. And then she says there are the fringe benefits, like watching someone get their life back, or better yet, their family. I love you. Have you Thanks to a solid job and sobriety, Michelle now has all three of her kids back home. It's crazy, because I didn't know that it would ever happen. As a business model, what Gwen is doing here in Fort Myers may or may not be prudent. But as a life model, she's accomplished something we could all learn from. Someone has to give them a chance. What if we all just gave one person a chance? Like Gwen. 
I bet we'd all find it addicting. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Fort Myers, Florida. Come on, y'all. What if we all gave one person a chance? What if your one invitation to Easter this year to the person that no one thinks they should go to church? You know how it is. There's that person like, oh, they ain't going to church. They ain't, oh, I don't want to get in them. And what if that one invite changed their life? What if they meet Jesus? What if their story is being rewritten because you listened and God used you to influence them, to invite them. And it moved them from addiction to sobriety. It moved them from loss to save. It moved them to a whole new journey in their life. And you think, well, that's impossible. I can tell you there's people in this room will tell you it's not impossible. There's people in this room that I know, they're my close personal friends. I'm telling you, they have been in situations that they thought were hopeless, impossible, and Jesus stepped in through a simple invitation and changed their life and changed the direction of their life. And the label from addict to failure to change to mom, wife, business owner, saved, changed, forgiven, victorious. And in case you needed another example, I've got one more for you before we leave. And this one's probably, you know, as I searched through and I put all this stuff together, there's different ones. I'm like, all right, God, show me this. And when I saw this one, I was like, this one's incredible. Many would say impossible. Because as powerful as this one is, this is an impossible story you're about to see. Just like we see them in Scripture, you need a modern day example? I don't know that you'll find a better one than this one. Watch. I'm going to take you down to my old neighborhood. For 31-year-old Jermaine Wilson of Leavenworth, Kansas, going back to his childhood is a bad trip. Yeah, I used to sell a lot of drugs out here, right there in apartment four. He started using at age 11, yeah. was in juvenile detention by 15, and in the maximum security wing at Lansing Correctional by 21. And it was here that this convicted drug dealer came to the most important realization of his life. If I don't change, it's either going to be two things that's going to happen. I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in prison or dead in a casket. You could have never imagined the third option. No, not at all. <laughs> we want to welcome you to our city commission meeting. Jermaine is now the mayor of Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, the actual mayor. Motion carried 5-0. It's a transformation he credits to God, education, and volunteer work. After prison, he became a community activist and got his felony record expunged, paving the way for a political run. A lot of politicians decide to run for office and then go to prison. I know. <laughs> You're doing it the other way around. What are the advantages? There's this quote that I always go by. You'll never know what you are until you've encountered what you are not. I experienced being someone that I wasn't created to be. And when I tried the opposite, I succeeded. You can be what you want to be. Yes, I Today, Jermaine couldn't be more opposite. The school district that once had him expelled now welcomes him back with open arms. I'm the community outreach coordinator. He also works for a nonprofit that helps ex-cons find and keep good jobs. That's good. And of course, he has his mayoring duties, all made possible, he says, by the gift of incarceration.
That's why I'm here. Because if that wouldn't have happened, I would have never had the time to think. I would have never had an opportunity, you know, to build a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So you suggest prison? No, I don't suggest <laughs> prison. <laughs> but one thing I tell you, we all go through a time in our life where we hit rock bottom. When you're at rock bottom, there's only one other place to go. Up. And that's up. Meeting adjourned. Or in this case, way up. Steve Hartman on the road in Leavenworth, Kansas. Come on, y'all. How cool is that? It's amazing, man. There's some people that watch the service uh, in prison right now. One wrote me a letter this past week. It's amazing what God's doing in your life. And I didn't share this in the first service, but I'm just thankful we have this opportunity. I'm thankful that somehow the word got out and this person found us and began to watch. And then I'm thankful that while they're in prison, there's some friends of ours that are really trying to help people. <laughs> they made some bad choices. They're wrong. They're guilty. There's no doubt about that. And you got to do the time, man. But while you're doing that time, remember, God's in that cell just like he's in this room. And God wants to use you just like he wants to use all of us. And the question is, is will you be obedient? Now, here's the interesting thing. When you're in that cell, there's no doubt about it. That's that rock bottom. You're like, man, I have really messed up. And there's a lot of tapes playing in your head. You ain't worth it. You've let everybody down. You're a failure. But when you look at Scripture and you begin to take your focus off of what we think is humans and you see ourselves the way God does, he's like, man, do you understand that Paul was a murderer? Like whatever the worst case scenario is, a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament actually killed Christians, became the biggest advocate for Christianity. You had people who stole. Matthew was a thief. He stole from people. And he became one of Jesus' followers to the point that carried on writing one of the, right, the Gospels, telling that story. Peter, who is literally a violent crime, I mean, cut off ears, cuss people out, is the guy who's building the church. And we think in our modern world now, well, God can't use them. And we think we're better than, and we look down on people. And I'm just trying to tell you, when we walk back out of here, and you get out in the real world, God wants to use you. God has a plan for you. And it's time for you to move. And the failures that you have in your life does not cancel God's plan for any one of us. So don't give up. And don't think it's over. Because God has an awesome plan. If he's moving stones thousands of years ago to give us hope and the powers of resurrection, he is going to move this junk in your life as well. Trust him. Lean into him. Depend on him. Not church, not religion. I hope that when you come to church, we help you. I hope it's something to encourage you. But let me tell you, the only thing that changes you is a personal relationship with Jesus. And when you lean into that and go, all right, Jesus, I got to have you. I have no other hope. It can change everything from your addictions to your future, to the relationships, to your finances. Because you go, God, I'm yours. Use me. And I promise you, He wants to. He has a plan to. That's why you're still breathing. That's why you're watching this. That's why you're in the room, because it's for you. Would you pray with me? God, I think of every person that can hear, that can see, 
that can experience what's going on in this room, that they would know it's for them. That, Lord, you gave us Peter, you gave us Thomas, you gave us Paul, you gave us these great modern-day illustrations of how you can change people's lives if we'll just simply surrender. Jesus, I've messed up and I need you. Come into my life, change me, give me a hope, give me a future. Guide me, Lord, save me. You promise that you can and will do it. When we say, I know I'm a sinner, Jesus, and my only hope is you. Come into my life and help me to follow you. Help me to move in a different direction. My way ain't working, and I want to follow you. And when we get to that place, God, we begin to experience and see things different. And our lives change, our families change, our community changes. And that's what we need, Lord. I thank you for every person that's in here. I thank you for their story. I thank you for the way you've saved many of these friends. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them and remind them that we have a responsibility and obligation to reach out to those around us, work, friends, neighbors, to give them that opportunity to change their lives around. And if we don't tell anybody, if we don't invite anybody, if we don't introduce them to you, Lord, then what are we doing? And Easter is a great chance to do that. Everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to do, where they're going to go. I pray, Lord, that we would just extend that invitation to remind them there is hope. I have found it, and you can find it too. Just come, and let's see what God will do in your life. And he can do what nobody else can do. He can overcome the grave. He can help us overcome whatever it is that we're carrying around. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for your love, and thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that they're watching today and help us to follow you, to move into the plan that you have for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can I get a little love out there? Come on, y'all.